0: Hello and welcome to the Career Change Diaries podcast with me, Alice Stapleton. And today we are speaking with Christina Horvine, who started her career in hotels and the travel industry after earning a bachelor's degree in hospitality management. And after doing that for eight years, she went back to university to follow her passion and earn a master's in coaching and leadership, and now works for a coaching startup whose mission is to empower people to live their lives with more clarity, purpose, and passion, which obviously I love the sound of. So looking forward to hearing a bit more about that. Hi, Christina. Lovely to see you. How are you doing?
1: Hey, Alice. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah,
0: it's really great to talk to you. So, what we're going to do today is talk through your career change. I'm going to ask you lots of questions. So, first of all, tell me a little bit about what you were doing in hotels and the travel industry
1: then. Okay. Yeah. So, I think Early on, when I started, you know, when you're straight, when you're finishing school and you're 17, 18 years old, and you're thinking about what am I going to do for the rest of my life? uh, We're probably too young to be making that decision. But back then, I remember thinking what was really important to me was being able to see the world, travel, and at the same time, I always knew there was something about me that wanted to be in the service area because I felt that I really enjoyed that, that piece of Helping, of making people feel more comfortable and just it's so somehow kind of combining that together, the traveling with that aspect of wanting to to make people feel comfortable, hosting people and all that led me ultimately to decide to do a bachelor's in hospitality management. Mm. So after I did that for four years, the obvious answer was to start working in hotels, because that's what everybody does. So I began, uh, my first job out of university was in a really nice luxurious hotel in Dubai in the Middle East. And I did that for about a year and quickly realized that as much as I enjoyed the service aspect of things, I didn't want to be doing that particular job. I didn't want to be in the hotel, in that space all the time you know, the scheduling and the hours were, were not pleasant. <laughs> and right. so I quickly realized that I I didn't want to be doing that for the rest of my life, but I, I did like the aspect of staying in that industry because again, the travel and the service oriented mentality and all that. So after doing that for a year, I then joined a uh, large online travel agent and stayed with them for about seven years. And in those seven years I did different roles, but it was mainly always about being the face of the company to hotels that we're working with hotels. And that then evolved into being partnering on um, the loyalty product of the company and figuring out how to get more loyal, not only customers, but also hotel partners to be more loyal to us as an online travel agent. And that was the remaining. So pretty much half of my tenure was then the last years of, of at this company were then spent expanding that loyalty program within Europe the Middle East and Africa.
0: Okay. So obviously you've mentioned a couple of challenges with what you were doing early on in that career. Can you remember what some of those later niggles or doubts were that got you thinking I don't know if I want to do this for much longer.
1: So I think They were very similar to the ones that I had later on, (laughs) once you get to that, to the next uh, chapter of my career change. But what it was, it was this, it sounds really odd because I'm not necessarily somebody who's, I think I'm quite a pragmatist. When The way I make decisions are very much based on, you know, pro and con, and it's very head focused as opposed to gut or anything like that. But I think in in this particular decision... It was just a gut feeling that something was just off. I just wasn't Mm -hmm. excited. I I was at first when I first joined and then slowly things just started to, I didn't feel excited anymore. And I think it was the first time where I started kind of connecting with what was going on. And I, I thought, well, my head is telling me this is the right thing to do because that's what you do. You graduate with a hospitality management degree and then you work in hotels. Like that's just what you do. But I think my instincts or something inside of me was telling me, but it's not pleasant. You're not enjoying this, not what you should be doing. And I think eventually what that led me to do is to just start having conversations with people around me. And then some of my closest friends having chats with them and then saying, well, there's a way that you can do a bit of both. There's a way that you can stay in that sector in that travel space without actually working in hotels. And I think leaning on others was something that kind of started opening the door for me versus just sticking inside my head. Because like I said, I'm very much head driven because my head told me that's what you do. That's what you do. You graduate with a hospitality management degree, you work in hotels, and then you work your way up in hotels. So why are you even questioning this? But something inside of me was saying, no, this environment, these hours, and then the just the working structures and the hierarchies in hotels and the way the foundation of just working in hotels was just to me, not aligned with my values and what I wanted to do. And I th- so I think this kind of mixing of this, what you do, and then my actual experience of things were making it very hard for me to, to f- fully be happy and accept the situation and be satisfied with it. So it was, I would, yeah, to answer your question, I think starting to have conversations with others and having others, mm-hmm. especially people that I really trusted and respected tell me this, it doesn't have to be one or the other it doesn't have to be black or white, you can find kind of something, two things can be true, which I think is, is one thing that I'm often learning as I grow older too, like this idea of two things can be true.
0: Yeah, and that that's such a brilliant point as an aside, really. I think that's something I've learned lately that, yeah, we all we think things are black and white and it's just all in the gray and we contradict ourselves and we're complete hypocrites half the time. And yeah, I think it's, it's getting used to that blend of all of these different things. Okay. So, and I think, you know, just touching on your experience then, I think it's quite common. Yeah. We, in our heads, we think our career is what it should be, but yeah, and yeah we just have this sort of deep gut feeling that something's just not quite right. And it doesn't necessarily make any sense. It's not necessarily logical, let alone practical um at that stage so yeah quite a common experience from what I can gather so you start talking to people they encourage you to think about okay well maybe there's a way where it's not just one or the other so then what then makes you take that final step of Mm -hmm. I guess contacting a coach because we work together I guess prior to that there's a little bit of commitment around I've got to do something about this so can you remember what maybe took you
1: over in the end so yeah so fast so fast forward to then transitioning from the hotel into the online travel agent so I did that and I was very happy with that move and then fast forward to about must've been six years later or something of, of being in that online travel agent space where I was satisfied, I was growing, I was doing different roles. Then comes COVID. And I think like many of us, COVID gave me time to kind of check in with myself. And interestingly enough, I'm only realizing this as I'm talking to you right now, actually, and I think it's an exciting realization for me as well, but this checking in with myself and this having time to think about what was happening inside of me and just having taking that pause was again, basically what I had done when I had done my first shift from hotels to the online travel agent, because I finally started to think, Oh, well, so this has been fun for six years. And I've kind of just put my head down and done things and just moved from one role to the other. Cause in those six years, I had changed roles four times, which was exciting because I love new things, newness, challenges and all that. But then during COVID, I thought, okay, but. Aside from the newness and the challenges, like, is this actually taking me where I want to go? So what's next? So then all of a sudden came this, again, this kind of question of what's next, because I finally had time to actually connect again with my gut, because again, the head was like driving this the entire time. And then connecting with myself, I thought, oof okay, this has been fun so far, but whatever comes next, whether, whatever that next natural organic move was going to be, was not what I wanted to do. And it just felt off again. And then once again, a very similar pattern emerged where I started to have conversations, I had conversations with people that I trusted, my friends, my mentor at the company, my own boss who had a great relationship with. And I said, so what are the next steps for me? Like, how do you see it? And then what was laid out to me, I thought that just doesn't feel right. And again. Because I had all that time during COVID to just sit around at home and like think about all these things because working in an online travel agent, things quiet down massively during COVID as I'm sure you can imagine. So lots of time to, because before that I was always on the road, travel here. I was away at least one week every month. And then when I came back, I was recovering from jet lag, from this, from that. So always on the go. And all of a sudden I had all this time at my house, stuck in my house, a lot less work to do. And to think about what my prospects were for the future. And yeah, so after again, relying on people having conversations, my boss at the time said to me, have you ever thought about getting a career coach? And I thought, okay. Quite honestly, I thought, well, I was like, I've done therapy. (laughs) But he was like, yeah, okay, that's obviously not what I meant. But no, and I was like, oh, I've never thought about it in this way. Because I think, again, for me, it was my personal so therapy for me was something that i had done on a personal level but obviously and i knew there was a difference between therapy and coaching but i i guess i had never thought that i needed any support when it came to my career specifically because i had been quite successful i had changed roles i had grown i had gotten promotions and so i thought well why what why do i need support in this um And so this, so then we had a, but I was open to it because he brought it up, and then he said, "Well, do you want me to look into it for you?" And then I was very fortunate that he was accountable and he was, you know, very much involved in in my career. And he then came back to me and said, "Well, I've found someone if you're interested in pursuing this." And he said, "I think it could it would be good for you because he said I've known you for many years now, and I he's like I know you can do anything you set your mind to, but he said, but maybe you need to figure out what that setting your mind to is, so you can actually do something that feels both right for your heart and your head, I suppose. Mm. And so, yeah, so this is how uh, you and I started working together, yes. (laughs) And so, yeah, yeah, and then this is how the journey started and the questioning and the getting to you, Rihanna.
0: Well, and, you know, funny enough, I I have interviewed a couple of people on this podcast now who have also said that COVID was was such a catalyst for them. I think, as you're sort of describing, it's so easy just to sort of, go at 100 miles an hour and yeah, this and then there's that. And I don't know, COVID was just this sort of eye opening experience for people. I think, as you say, it kind of stopped them short and got people thinking, like you said, really just about the bigger picture, not just what the next step was, that bigger picture, which coincided with, I guess, your employer saying, right, what what do you want to do now? And you not finding any of the options, particularly that fascinating or inspiring. At that point then, you're thinking about, right, what's next? When you thought about the option of doing something completely different, how did that
1: sit with you at that stage? So I think, I don't know that there's a way for me to answer that question without kind of being very like raw about it. And I will be, but I think it goes back to this, maybe it's the way I was raised or maybe it's the environment that I was in. But the first thing, and to answer a question how that sat with me was a complete change, something completely different is gonna mean some sort of a demotion. It's gonna mean some sort of a taking a step back in your career. And for me, I had worked so hard to prove myself and i think this is where the rawness comes in i think proving myself to my family to others to everyone around me that i was capable and that i was competent was such a huge part of my identity because I, growing up as a kid i was i was a massive rebel and a bit of a troublemaker to say the least and i think many people doubted what would happen or what would come of me because i was just such a difficult child, quite honestly. And so once I then started my university and then my career and being so successful at everything and and just go and being that kind of type A personality as I would go, the idea of then saying, I'm gonna do career coaching and that possibly will tell me something will flip my entire world and everything I'm into being completely upside down. And then I'll have to act on it was terrifying because it shook my entire identity. I was like, well, who am I if I'm not Christina who works for this well known Company who's gotten four promotions in six years and who is a go getter. Who am I if I'm not that? So yes, it was very scary.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I can imagine rocks the boat rather drastically. So how did you overcome that then? Because obviously you you decided to proceed with the coaching, which meant that was a option and yeah. You did decide to do something completely different. Mm, Can you remember how you dealt with that fear or?
1: Yeah, I think again, I want to say COVID and you know, COVID was obviously a terrible experience for many of us, but I think for me, from a personal standpoint, it was one of those situations in life where I was faced with, I either pretend it's not happening, put my head in the sand and just pretend it's not happening, or I just face it head on. And so I almost think it was the state of like crises a little bit where I thought, well, there's a crisis, like there's a world crisis, but there's also one that's happening inside of me and I need to just face it because I think this is what life had taught me up until that point and it keeps telling me <laughs> today. But up until that point was you can't just pretend things are not happening. You just, I'm very much a believer and just it sounds terrible, but like it is what it is. So just all you can do is face it head on and then deal with the consequences. And so I think my, my, I was thinking to myself, well, I'm, the whole world is in crisis. I'm sitting at home and I'm very unhappy with myself. I don't wanna end up in crisis even more than I already felt that I was because my identity again was, wow, who am I if I'm not an employee of this company? Who am I if I'm not doing this? So I didn't want this to get worse, especially given the macro environment you're in, and so for me, there was only one option to just say like, you just, you have to go through. There's no around, there's no turning back and pretending, running in the other direction. There's just through, that's the only way to go. And so I did. And luckily you were also <laughs> empathetic towards that. And I think, I mean, you, COVID was happening for you as well. And so I remember conversations with you where they were very genuine, they were very raw. They were very much like, I'm having a terrible week. I'm having a really hard day, but you and I are going to do this session and we're going to dig in. And I would walk away every time feeling heard, feeling like you really understood where I was coming from. We both were genuinely just trying to live in this new world that and this hard world that we were in. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah, you were there to support me. And you were there to kind of, it sounds like, but just kind of hold my hand and walk me through this. So, I, so it would just, it could only get better, I suppose, is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, that's really
0: lovely to hear and, and I'm touched that yeah you you felt like that because that's obviously the intention of coaching and yeah I do <laughs> I do remember just yeah, the whole thing was a bit of a shit show wasn't it mm-hmm. so and hearing you there I therefore imagine the the explore phase of what we did together which is all about who are you what are you all about away from your current job, I would hope that would have been quite helpful then to, yeah, just to sort of take stock of who you were in that point of time away from what you were currently doing as a job. Do you remember much about that? Yeah, experience? I
1: actually, I actually still have a folder. I used to have a folder called definitely by company, but now in this company, I have this folder in my inbox that's kind of called feel good, like feel good emails, feel good things. And in that, I had after our sessions, and then I emailed it to my personal email, and now I have it in my work email as well, and this screenshot, because one of the exercises that you had asked me to do is you said, go to people, friends, family, or colleagues, but that know you personally, go and ask them what your biggest strengths are. And I remember I'd compiled this for this exercise, and then I had kind of put it together for the, like to sh- give it to you. And then I screenshotted that, and I have that in my feel-good folder, because. It's just sometimes you just need that kind of like, who am I? And to your point, it was just, it, and it was, I remember it was a good mix. It was my best friend. It was my boss at work. It was a colleague that I, you know, felt very close to, but it was also random. I had picked, I think, two or three other random people that I worked with, but that weren't necessarily like, cause I, I also didn't want people to just make me feel good, just make me feel good. And so I was trying to get somebody that was a bit more objective as well. And I remember, I think I had like five or six uh, comments and they were just, I mean, they were all kind of similarly related, whether they were friends and whether they were peers of mine, which was quite nice to see that apparently I'm the same person, whether I'm with my friends or at work, but they were just so helpful to your point to answer that question of, cause all of the things they were saying, even my boss and people that worked with me, yes, they were things like, you know, she's efficient, but it was more like, I don't even think the word efficient, like that's probably what they meant to say, but it was more words like she's accountable. She gets the job done. She, if you don't have to tell her things twice, she, when she believes in something, she chases it to a fault. And so I think there were very much things that, yes, maybe were a bit more related to projects we'd work with or work scenarios, but things that for me translated into, she's an accountable human being. She's a reliable human being. And, and I remember one of the things that also came out of this was feedback. Feedback was a big thing, whether it was my friends or or people that I worked with said that I had this capacity to take feedback as in a way that was different than many people, because they said that they could feel that I wanted to learn. Like feedback for me was a learning opportunity versus a, oh, I'm trying to point out what you've done terribly. And so I think this idea of then growth mindset, which I then learned about later on, <laughs> like to start getting into the quiz, You're like, oh, great. Everybody talks about growth mindset. And well, all these things that I had never See, know, I guess I had never thought about myself I just kind of did and so all of a sudden it was going from just doing things to learning how I was like how to be and how people saw me so it was a an incredible eye-opener I remember this like star that then put together and uh yeah so yeah I yeah.
0: so just it sounds like it was a much more holistic look at you and everything that you were all about and what you were strong at. Yeah. And I think the growth mindset, just going back to what you were saying about how you move forward despite all those fears, you know, I think that's probably testament to having a growth mindset as well, which for anyone listening, there's a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, I think, which is, yeah, there's lots of great stuff in there about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So yes, very handy. Okay. So you start the career change coaching. We yeah get to know you and then we step into options and ideas. So can you remember what sorts of things you were contemplating moving into at that point?
1: Yeah. Well, so I remember as our sessions kind of progressed and we had Oh, one session actually stuck with me. And I think about it sometimes still now. And I don't remember what the exercise was called, but it was this idea of, I think you had me close my eyes and I think it was like a few minutes you read this. Yes, exactly. You read these lines and then you set the scene. So like I was walking through this field and then I think we got to a body of water and then you said something like, And then you see your most powerful self, your most confident, your fearless Christina. And then you kind of have a conversation with her and this image of like me and then I guess my twin, but like my best twin is just something that till today, like, I feel like I have it in my mind. Like if I close my eyes right now, I see this image of like being by the wall, like and this exercise was so powerful because it's that idea. And, and. I was would, within my, my now, my current job, I still use it a lot too. this image of if you had no fear, like fearless you, what would fearless you do? And that's me as that person that I was meeting and that I was having a chat with and that exercise that we did together. And so, yeah, so I remember kind of as we progressed and then we talked about also one of the exercises we talked about was, can you picture your ideal house or, you know, where do you live and, and what does it look like? Are there children around? Like what kind of house is it? Like just really envisioning that house. And I remember, and I seem, I have that vision still. Like I can recall the house that I told you about because that was so powerful, like to have actually have this image and to hold on to that. And so I think as we kind of progressed and we got towards the end of our sessions and it was like, oh, which direction are you going to go into? I realized that the, the idea of service was still something that was very present in me because there is something about me that just likes to... I. I don't like I don't want to say make people happy because that sounds a bit funny but maybe just this fascination with humans and the potential of humans and the idea of I love understanding being around helping assisting people making it easier making it better whether it was in the travel sector and like you know making that holiday that you've saved up for so long to like finally have once a year make that so special Oh, you know, make your hotel stay special. And just this idea of how can I somehow, how can have a small impact on somebody, on making somebody's holiday life or journey or whichever part of their chapter of their lives easier. That was something that really stuck. And I think as we kind of explored further, I then started to demonstrate interest in just the way people tick and what makes people tick. And resilience was a big topic that kept coming back again. Because I think because of my own Upbringing as well, and the reason why I was such a difficult kid is because I had experienced lots of early trauma. That I think it was probably a bit too soon for kids to experience. I lost my mom when I was very young, and then I think, and then you know, my dad was alone raising three kids, and so it was a lot of you know things that a kid that steals a kid's youth very early on, that forces you to be an adult very early on, that forces you to learn resilience, and then you know, so I think there was always fascination with what makes people who they are, what makes people be resilient or not resilient. And so I think when you, when we started putting all these things together, it was just the idea of however, whatever that looks like, it needs to be something that is related to people, potential, resilience, like all these sort of things. And I think, so we ended on this no, where it wasn't, again, going back to this, like two things can be true, or it's not black or white. It wasn't like, you need to be doing this. But I, I think I remember there was like an optional list of things we had explored and what I could be doing that would be like that. And then we had also used the Myers-Briggs personalities and as to so this is the kind of jobs that you do. And so it was helpful again, because I think based on my past, it was really good to know, again, it doesn't mean you have to be this, like you're going to have to now go and, I don't know, <laughs> you know, take care of, uh, of people and uh, or become a nurse. So I, like it was very much like, this is a long list of things, exhaustive things that you can do as long as you remember that this is who you are now and this is what you're passionate about and this is what you're probably going to do best because this is where your passion and your true self lies and aligns with your values, then that's what you can go ahead and do. That's how we ended, I believe. So, So it sounded like
0: you knew the factors and the sort of broad theme of what it is that you needed to be working within, but you didn't have like the specific... Job or role in mind at, at that particular point.
1: I think there were too many for me. Like, there were so many options, and so my doors, like my mind, had been opened to all the possibilities. I needed a bit more time to figure out, to, like what that would look like in terms of next steps for me. And I remember, I think our last conversation, we even this, we had this like three months checking, if I remember correctly, and all oh, we were doing was like next day, ninety days plan or something. And I remember I, I I struggled a bit with that because I, I felt, okay, you know, I have so many options now, but I need to, I don't know if it was my own like insecurities or, or, or you know, just I felt like I needed a bit more time. So I was grateful that I had that time to think about all the possibilities, but I personally needed to have more conversations, you know, again, relying on my close people to then figure out, or maybe even myself to kind of go inwards a little bit. And given again, the environment we are in at this point, it's, summer end of summer twenty twenty. So, you know, COVID is is real. COVID is is right there. We don't know when it's gonna end. And, you know, I think there was still me just kind of saying, Oh, this is just too hard right now. I need to deal with the outside environment. Yeah, I need to deal with the macro environment. I need to deal with the news, like turning on the news every day and all these horrible things were happening. And it's just it was yeah, I needed a bit more time. But then mm-hmm. I think that little bit more time only took three or four months until I made my next move.
0: So, yeah, because I do remember, yeah, you know, we sort of finished working together. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I wonder what she's going to do. And then I think I saw on LinkedIn that you then posted about starting your master's or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like,
1: yes, there you go. There, there you go. go. Okay.
0: okay, so tell me a bit about how you did end up then deciding which, which, yeah. which next step to take.
1: So I think, again, I think for me, this goes back to the whole trouble with my identity, you know, who was I? And now I knew that I needed to be something different. But so the, the way I ended up making that decision is I ended up having a conversation with my boss again, who I was very close to. And his opinion was really mattered to me because I I knew that as much as he was my boss, he really, I mean, he had finances, his career coaching for me. Like he had, he was very invested in my career and in myself. I needed to have more chats with him. I needed to have chats with my own family and especially my father because, you know, different generation. And, uh, but I think this idea of, I'm just going to quit and do something completely different to my father was very much like, that's not how he, how he was raised. Like you needed to provide for yourself. You need to provide for your family. And, you know, sometimes if you're unhappy, you just stick it out and you just kind of push through. And I think this was, just his generation but his opinion because again he's the only parent I've had most of my life was very important and I didn't really know how to have that conversation with him and it was it was important that I had it and I, I wanted him to somehow be on board and I think that took a bit more time but yeah so I mean more time. we're only talking about three or four months but at the time it felt like it was a lot of time so um, was, was,
0: yeah yeah was there a little bit of Reluctance from him to start with, or was he there was, yeah, yeah, there
1: was, and I think, but I understand it. I think, yeah, as you say, it's different,
0: yeah, definitely. And he was, I
1: remember, he said to me, he was fully on board for me to do that, but he said, just wait out COVID. He said, why would you do anything right now? Like, why would you change your job right now? during COVID, like people are losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. This is the worst time for you to be doing that. He said, just wait till COVID's over. I mean, at the time, you had no idea <laughs> what you're talking about. Oh, is it going to be in three months? Is it going to be what? Because in the end, it was not about two years till it was finally officially really done. And she's like, just stick it out. And so then I think the kind of middle ground from that was then I said, okay, I hear you. And I know you, you that makes sense. I, I guess I'm a, I'm a pragmatist from my dad. I guess I got that from my dad. And I was like, is this rational what you're saying? That I said but something has got to give. because at that point, you know, two, three months had passed. I was very unhappy. I remember there were lot, too many emotions, more emotions than, than I had in a very long time. I, it was a very sad Christmas holiday or shortly before Christmas. And it was, yeah, it was just, I just realized something had to change because I just wasn't happy. And as much as I valued people's opinions, I still needed to lead my own life. And so, yeah, so the kind of middle ground that I found back then was I said, okay, I know that I want to, at this point, I was like, I knew coaching was the direction that I wanted to take. So I said, let me just, not maybe just upend everything, quit my job and become a, because obviously you don't just become a coach. I needed to do something about it anyway. So I thought, let me just do both. And so around December, 2020, I then signed up very, it all happened very quickly. Obviously, I Obviously did a lot of research, but then from the moment I found my degree to actually signing up, I think two weeks went by, I signed up, I registered, and then I started in January, 2021. And my compromise, I think this middle ground for me was I'm going to do both. I'm going to keep working at my company that I was at, and I'm going to do an online master's full-time on the side. <laughs> so that was very ambitious and it was hard. <laughs> I was going to ask you
0: your next question. How how did you find how did you find doing them together? So I remember
1: when I came back from the Christmas holiday and I had my first one to one with my boss and because I had messaged him during the holidays and I said, that's some big news!" and I said, "I'm finally taking a step into the direction that I need to take." And he was like, "I'm so happy for you!" And then when we had our first one to one, I told him, "So I have officially started. I'm I'm <laughs> doing my-, do my master's full time." And then he was like, wow. He's like, okay, that was, uh, he's like, I, I mean, he's like, he, I knew, he knew it was coming, but he didn't realize that over the space of like two to three weeks of our Christmas holidays, I would come back and I'd be like, I'm a student now again. And when I remember saying to him from the beginning, I said, I'm going to do both for as long as I can. But the moment one has got to give, I think, you know, which is going to have to give. And he said, "Yep." Yeah. And so I did that to about the first quarter. So until end of March, I did my first projects and everything and I got a real feel of how much work it was and it was obviously it was a lot I did not have time to do anything other than work in my master's it was you know before work it was master's after work it was master's on the weekends it was master's and so eventually at the end of March I came back to him I said okay something has to give and I said this is gonna have to give and so I handed in my resignation and then I did an additional three months just so we can do a proper handover and then by summer of 2021 I had left, and then I focused full-time on my master's after that.
0: Yeah, it is a lot. And at any point, did you sort of think, oh, what am I doing? Or or like, how, yeah, how did you manage? Because I imagine at points you're thinking. Uh,
1: It's, yes. And I mean, even when I spoke to him in March and I actually verbalized and said, I'm going to resign, I thought, and by that point, I'd been there seven years had the best manager I could ask for. And I knew, you know, I knew that I was leaving something that was really good. So I definitely felt like why you just, why would you do such thing for something that's, yes, it was a master's, but you I also didn't know, I knew it was a master's I was passionate about and I was an amazing grades from the get go. So I thought, you know, this is the stars are aligning. Like if I'm good at this and the feedback that I was getting from the professors were, you know, things like she's, she's going to make for an incredible coach one day when I would hand in like, you know, sessions and, and work on them, So the the feedback was so comforting. And so it was validating that I was making the right decision. But at the same time, I thought I have something so good here. Like what kind of I had never heard of anybody around me that had the type of manager that I had that really cared about me and had invested so much in me yes. and was just really cared about me as a person versus me as the employee. And to leave all of that, and I love the people I work with and all that I thought this is just, so this could be the greatest mistake I'm ever making. But again, I think it had so many decisions i had made in the past had shown me that I really needed to stop just making decisions by what one ought to do or what my head was telling me is the right path. And I just really needed to start kind of finding a way to connect what was happening inside of me, what my head was saying, and just a bit more of a mixed decision-making versus just, this is what you do and this is what my, dad's, my head's telling me to do. So yeah, it was scary, but I it just... But I, and I kept saying my gut right now is telling me I need to do this and I remember when I finally did that resignation letter and I gave it to my boss and I said I'm leaving on you know whatever July 2021 so he obviously you know we had this conversation he wasn't surprised he's like okay and then I remember hung up and I started dancing in my kitchen and I thought that's it and I was like this is it like I literally just got up and I just had this like urge to dance and I thought wow like it is it was visceral Like it was a visceral feeling of like I need to dance because it's the right thing
0: yeah oh amazing well yeah that's a good sign that's a very good sign (laughs) okay so if you don't mind me asking so how did you manage that financially because I suppose yeah masters ain't cheap you hand your notice in whilst you're still studying so yeah talk me through how you carried on yeah
1: it's uh once again one of those uh, lessons in life of relying on others i think i needed to be okay with the fact that so first of all the masters in itself because i was still working for six months until i actually quit i was able to afford because i was still getting paid and i had a salary so I was able to pay that with with my salary from, from my company but then i think afterwards it was just this at that point, my father was on board. You know, I had explained it and I had told him and I had given, told him about my reaction when I ended up giving my resignation letter, and we had talked about it. And I think by the time he came around, he just said, okay, that's the decision that you need to make. And he said, what can I do to help? And I said, well, you'll probably have to take me in <laughs> for a little bit. Because, you know, I'm not going to have. And so it was really hard because at this point, you know, I've had eight years of career, been super successful, earned my own money, never asked my dad for anything, and very proud of my success and my promotions, and really just had a good life for a woman at the beginning of her 30s at that point. And then I'm like, well, you might have to take me in.
0: <laughs> Wait, are you, sorry, are you talking about your boss or your dad? My dad. I was like, going to okay. say, I thought you may have with your boss. I was like, <gasps> no, wow, they, no, they really no, were close.
1: No, <laughs> no, 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 my dad, my dad. Ah, uh, well, that, yeah. that would make more sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my dad was like, of course, you know, you have an upstairs area, you do you. And so, yes, yeah, so it was hard because I think... Again, based on who I was and the success and, and, and how that was so tied to my identity, the idea of now saying, I'm going to move in, I'm going to be a student and I'm going to live at my dad's place. And I'm just basically going to live like a student again, after having lived very much unlike a student <laughs> for a very long time and being proud of being a, a working woman was hard. But I just, I think again, maybe that's where being pragmatic came in handy. I was just like, so, okay, so what's the alternatives? And the alternative was you stay with Expedia, you do your, you kill yourself another year while you're doing your masters, and you're very unhappy, and you're just going to ha- have a burnout at the end, anyways, because you couldn't do, because you had to do two jobs. And so for me, once I kind of laid out what the alternatives, what the options were, I thought, well, I'm just going to go and be with my dad and finish my masters, and and luckily also I have friends across spread out across the world because I because of how I've grown up and where I've lived, and so it was time to say, oh, I'm going to go hang out with them. So I went to spend some time in Kenya with my brother who lives there. So I spent a couple of months in Kenya, I spent a couple of months in Ghana with some friends. So I spent about another year or so being between my dad and my visiting my friends and staying in their second bedroom or even on the couch. And they were just really happy to have me around. So I, yeah, it was relying on my network, which was again, very scary because I think being very independent, you're oh, why am I going to go ask people for help? But it takes a village, right? And I think I need to keep reminding myself of that because I often have a tendency to just say I can do everything on my own. But the truth is every time in my life where things were a bit rocky, I had to rely on my people and that's how I got to it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's such a, an important thing to learn. And it sounds like yours was a great experience because you realised that yes, when you can ask for help and you're comfortable yeah. asking for help, people really do loved it uh they're there for you definitely so it sounds like because yeah i mean that's such a barrier for a lot of career changes when absolutely it's an option to move back in with parents or to downsize or live with friends but as you say it takes such a an ego hit, basically i mean our egos the way that it drives how we live our lives and the things we buy and you know Cause to create this facade it's a lot to kind of drop that and actually just yeah. stick with well what's really right for you yeah. and it sounds like you just kept coming back to,
1: well what's the alternative what yeah. am I going to do just I, I what, think this is how, spend the rest yeah. of my life miserable that's how I usually mm. operate I'm kind of okay there's a problem okay well how are we going to fix it or what's the alternative if this doesn't work what's the alternative like I'm I i do not think that there's no point in just dwelling too long and like just figure out what's on the other side and then make a decision and i think we also we need a lot less than we actually think we do and that was also a big realization like all these things all these material things like i was a nomad for basically a year and i mean all my things are in boxes now still at my dad's place and i haven't taken them out of boxes in in a very long time and at first i thought oh my god all my things and i'm like i just it's fine we don't need all these things and what you really need are people around you that, like you said, they were all so happy to help me. And none of them ever thought, what are you doing? You've just gone from being a successful, like working woman to just a student. Everyone was like, good for you. And there was just this, to your point about the ego, the ego is just so, it tells you all, you know, people judge and people, and I mean, trust me, they are people that judge, but they shouldn't matter. <laughs> And it's just, the ego kind of tells you, everyone, all the people that you love are going to be like, oh, what an idiot. It's like, why would she do something so silly? Like, she's going to like, you know, fail and she's going to be an epic failure. But at the end of the day, you have these conversations. you actually ask them and you give them or you give them the information and you let them make a decision and you actually see that they come through. And if they don't, then they probably shouldn't be in your circle. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. They're so excited for you. They're like, wow. Even this, I remember they saying, them saying to me, I admire your strengths. Mm I was like, What? I'm 30 something and I'm, I have no home. And what do you mean? I have no job and I don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, no. And every single one of them was like, wow, we admire you for following your passion, following your dreams. Like that is strength. As opposed to mm-hmm. like, people telling me you're so useless and incompetent.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, lots of courage and and often it isn't, can inspire other people to do the same thing. Hence, yeah, why yeah with the podcast and why it's great that you're sharing all this. Okay, so... Uh, you finished the masters, then what?
1: I finished the masters and actually before I even finished. <laughs> as I was okay. shortly as I was about to finish, I thought, hmm, what's gonna happen now? <laughs> and uh, I think this was another kind of whirlwind because I had I knew that you know I was graduating with a had a master's in uh, coaching and leadership. Uh, yet I was not a coach, yet I was not some, you know, I didn't have ten years of leadership experience. I had a few years in from my previous company, but so it's basically like you're coming out with a bit of a head start to others, but not necessarily a theoretical one, not necessarily practical one. So then I thought, ooh, now I need to get a bit of practice down. And as I started researching how what to do and how to do that, I came across a company that I felt was, again, one of those, similarly to going from working in a hotel at the beginning of my career to then for the online travel agent, it felt like that was a good stepping stone because it was a company that was still in the tech space. I was familiar with that kind of world that was, uh, whose mission was to ultimately get coaching out there into the world, get access to coaching not only for, you know, your high potentials, your leaders, like corporations usually do it, but just any kind of new manager, any person that needed a bit of clarity in their lives for them to get access to coaching. So that was the company's purpose, and I felt, oof, I can so align with that because coaching helped me get here. So why wouldn't I want to work for a company who's trying to get that? out to as many people as possible. And so, yeah, so then another one of those like fateful moments or whatever, I knew somebody that I'd worked with at the previous company who was working for that company and uh, had a conversation and one conversation led to another. Next thing you know, I was interviewing. And then a few months later I was hired. And I remember I said to them, I still have, I think at that point I had two months of my master's left. I said, I still have two months left and I have a big dissertation going on. And you know, there's all this best And I said, you can wait for me for two months or I'm gonna start. But you know, and then the good news was the company actually had two months of onboarding anyway. So they said, well, for the first two months, you're onboarding. So you just, all you have to do is read books. And and I was like, okay, great. <laughs> I'm already reading plenty for my dissertation. So I'll just read plenty more. So it was just perfectly aligned that I was able to finish my master's. And by the time I, I handed in my dissertation, I actually started my first week of actual work. So it was just perfect alignment. And then, yeah. And then and I ended up at the company that I'm now at. Rewind
0: a little bit. So... Because people are often quite interested into, you know, how they get roles in, in something new. So with the connection, was there a role already advertised or was it a, a sort of speculative
1: process? Yeah, that, it was. It was very much a, what do they call this? There's a term for these chats, not inform informational chat, informal chat. I don't know. There's a, yeah,
0: informational interviews.
1: Yeah, yes, whatever the right term is like, yeah, it was just one of those really just saying she had posted something on LinkedIn, and I hadn't seen her post or anything from her in a while. And, and then she had posted that she had just started at this company. And I thought, ooh. And I was like, ooh, I've, I've had my eye on them for a while, because there's not that many companies out there that mm. are in the coaching space, at least at scale. And then I thought, ooh, okay. But i said hey let's catch up and then as we were catching up i was telling her about my journey and what i was going through and then i wanted to get into that space but you know i had my eye on certain companies and i saw that she worked for that company and if she could tell me a little bit more about them and then she did and then at the end she said well actually i was just hired and i actually am starting to grow my team and so there's an opening there's going to be an opening on my team in the next few months do you want me to keep you in mind for that and i said please and then we started to just kind of you know, keep in touch. And next thing you know, she was like, okay, the opening's there, go ahead and apply. So I did. And then she referred, you know, she made sure that it went on top of the piles for the recruiter. And then, uh, yeah, then one thing. Next, another, was- yeah,
0: well, I think that's such a, a positive story, because I think often people are reluctant to reach out to relevant people. And I think it's just a good nudge that those things work and they can and you know what things.
1: alice i'm i was the exact same the number of times people said oh just reach out to your network like just network use your network and i remember like, I just, like again i think it's the personality thing but you, you know you you want to be independent you want to do everything on your own you don't want people to know that you're looking for a job you don't want them to you don't want to feel like you owe them anything like i get that so much but i think it's again one of those realizations that i had when i was doing my master's again and all everyone around me was just so willing to help that people are generally willing to help. And if they're not, they just won't answer. And then you move on and you try something else. Like you try to reach out to somebody else. But the moment you just ask nicely and say, Hey, can I have 30 minutes of your time? I haven't had anybody that said, and even this person, we knew each other from our previous companies, but we weren't close. Like we weren't, we literally worked on one project together. And she said, of course, we'll have 30 minutes. And then in that chat, she then said, Oh, you know, this and that. But Nobody that I've ever reached out to and said, even strangers, actually, I've reached out to strangers. And I said, Hey, what your company's doing sounds amazing. Would you have 30 minutes just to walk me through it? Nobody's ever said no. And, you know, maybe some people have ignored your message, but then you kind of check in again and then, or you like, so I think we don't really realize how willing people actually are to help others. And I know when I get reached out to occasionally on mm-hmm. LinkedIn for just a random conversation, I'm like, absolutely. Okay, yeah, so it's 30 yeah. minutes of my time.
0: I think, sure, I'll give it to you if that can help yeah, No, it's, different. it's a very important reminder, I think. Well, and often I think, again, what's the alternative? What Are you just going to yeah. sit there and close yourself off and, and not ask and, and not open those doors? This is what it could open. And yeah, you're a fine example yeah. of if you hadn't done that, who knows where you would be B. you
1: know, waving the the long, long surfing the long wave of uh, you know, trying to apply and recruiters and all that, you yeah. know.
0: Well, and it's so hard to do it online when you're making a little bit of a, a shift, I think, especially if yeah, where there's a, a a change of some sort, it is better to try and do it face to face because yeah, I think just on paper, you have to work a bit harder. And so what role are you doing now and where do you see that? leading yeah
1: so i basically joined so this uh, lady that became our manager was uh, opening she was expanding the european presence so she was one of the first europeans i was hired because it's an american company and they were starting they're kind of planting their footprints or you know kind of planting the seeds in europe and so she was hired to build her team out so we could ultimately be kind of the face of the company in europe and knock on the doors of big enterprises and let them know that we exist and that there's you know we're out here and if they want to invest in their employees and in their leaders we can do that at scale you know we have a, a, an app and we have the technology to be able to do that for so them digitally like be coached by you know good professional coaches and do that at scale for so their for so their employees and so yeah so we, we were quite a small team in Europe and that's so that's my role within uh, at first it was just to be because I'm originally German, so it was just to be for the German market. But by now, the role is expanded. So I look after various different markets in Europe. And uh, yeah, and in terms of where that's going to take me, so I, I always knew that this was, like I said, like a good stepping stone for me to dip my toes into the coaching world because we obviously, there's my team who goes out and kind of faces the customers and this, in the sense, enterprises. But then there's obviously the biggest section of it is the ones that actually create the product, the ones that are do the science, the ones that do the analytics of all the coaching that happens and that is able to then show you like return on investments, the coaching that you're doing and all that. And that kind of being able to have that reports and all this database. And because the company has had over two and a half million coaching sessions that they can kind of, you know, see develop and grow and they can, they have testaments and, and testimony from and people and how they've changed and how they've grown through coaching and be able to quantify that data and go out and say, hey, coaching isn't just some whatever some people think it is. Like it actually there's return on investment. This is how your people have grown. This is how your performers have gotten promoted. This is how they've, you know, felt happier and like be able to have all this data at my fingertips and be able to use that and learn a lot more about the coaching space in a more scientific way and in a more scalable and and larger way was always always been the kind of major driver for me to be in this company more than actually just, I will say the selling of it because I mean, i've that that part I was not necessarily interested in because I had done it before, but it was more that. And so I think at this point now, I'm just soaking all of it in and my next step, I mean, we'll see, but I think my next step will definitely be to finally finish now, because as much as I have a master's, like I said, I still need a lot of coaching practice to be able to actually be a full-time coach. I think the next step will be to focus on that while I immerse myself on the data, then focus on getting some practical, you know, coaching done to one day, hopefully do my own thing. I think that's the idea right now, at least, but who knows life, different things can happen. I think I'm much more open now than I was early on in my career to now say, you know, it doesn't need to be black or white. It doesn't need to mean to, it doesn't need to be like in three years, I must be like a coach with, you know, XYZ clients. I think it's more, this is what I'm going to work towards, but I'm going to be open to be how I feel a lot more than like just what my head is telling me I ought to do. And just make sure that everything I do is aligned with my values. Because now after doing coaching, you know who you are and you know what your values are. And I remind myself of that every day, every decision, everything I do, every whether it's at work or in my personal life. I'm like, does this do kind of like a gut check if this aligns with my value? Does it feel right? Does it not? Because I think ultimately this gut inconsistency, I think for me, at least in my experience, was just a misalignment with my values. And back then I wasn't really sure. I was like, what are even my values? Because again, you don't really sit down and think about it. I think until you're in a coaching session or people are like, kind of getting it out of you. And so now that I know this, I'm like, I know what my values are. And if I feel like there's something like weird inside of me boiling, I'm like, oh, that's because it's not aligned with this value. And so I think now, yeah, now I'm at this point in my life where, you know, I've still operated with my head, but I check in, I check in with my gut. And then my, because I feel like my gut tells me if it's aligned with my value. And then my head's like, oh, right, that's the problem. So I'm open to seeing where it takes me, but I know this is the right direction.
0: For sure. Yeah, well, and and again, I think that's quite a a helpful approach for people to be aware of that that you don't have to have it all figured out. Yes, that can be helpful, but it can also be incredibly helpful and actually keep you moving forward when you are a bit more fluid about what your next step looks like. So it sounds like you know roughly where you want to go, but you're open to pivots within that and maybe other things will come out of it. But as you say, at least you know that you're in the right space why this sounds bit. you know on this i think
1: this is the, ultimately the major win i know we're talking about career change here and obviously I've, I've done them and i and but i think for me the major the biggest win isn't just the career change it's actually that it's the understanding now of what my values are who i want to be and just making sure that whatever i do in my career outside and outside of my career is just really aligned with who i am so for me that was the biggest win from, career coaching is that through career coaching i actually did self coaching and i actually figured out who i was and what my values were and who i want to be and that is and again maybe that's why i'm a bit more gray about it than i ever would have been before because i'm realizing that there's many different ways for me to be aligned with my values and ideally of course my career would tick all of those boxes but if it doesn't in the meantime as long as i do something that is aligned with that Let's see what else comes up, you know? And it's just so, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm the perfect example for, because I'm sure many people, and and I think it's exciting if you know, if you come out and like, this is what I want to do. And this is exactly, I'm not going to let anything into anything or anyone interfere with that. But that just hasn't been my experience in life so far. My experience in life has actually been the more you are open to these things, again, knowing, doing that check is this opportunity going to make me happy and align with who I'm, tr- I'm trying to be. And if yes, then be open to it. If no, then reject it. But that to me has, that's what life has taught me so far. That a little bit of just staying open-minded to how life can take you on a different tour and it can be exciting as long as it ultimately makes you feel like you're being you and your authentic self. Yeah, the biggest win for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, and then I don't think there is a perfect example and that's why, you know, hopefully these podcast episodes are, uh, well, encourage people to realize that that you can do career change in a whole heap of, of different ways and you know, as long as you're moving forward, yeah. it doesn't really matter what and what I the think journey you tutor looks yourself.
1: like. Be true to yourself. Because I think I read once, I don't know if it was a I don't know where I read it, but it was something that really resonated with me. It was about if every day you wake up and you leave your house or if you're working from home, you know, you kind of start your day and you remind yourself of let's say your three most important values, then that slowly will start to actually make you less worried about everyone else and what everyone else thinks. And I think so many of us, you know, worry about judgment and what is everyone else going to think and what's society going to say about that? And is this conventional? Is this not conventional? And it's just so exhausting. And the more you kind of like hone in on every morning a reminder hey, these are my top three values. And as long as everything that I do today is aligned with that then who cares about everyone else? I don't have the energy to think about what everyone else thinks. And more and more, you start to get away from what I think is personally, for me, very draining this, I don't have that much time or energy to be investing in what other people are going to think. I don't want to anymore. I think I spent a lot of my 20s doing, (laughs) I don't want to do that anymore. It's exhausting. And what for? Because why would I care about somebody else's opinion? I need to live that life. And so this kind of tactic that I read, I actually do it now where every morning I wake up before I do anything, I'm like, okay, three values. Anything I do today, as long as it's aligned with that, everyone else, nobody, and everyone can come at me and tell me whatever. I'm just like, it's okay because I was true to my values and I was true to myself. Yeah. And I, for me, that is just uh, the golden. <laughs> yes, be.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, it's great advice. Uh, the sort of North Star for each of us by the sounds of it. And yeah, it does just kind of, keep you on track and yeah that phrase of stay in your lane i think is just so helpful it doesn't really matter what everyone else is doing just stay in in
1: your path what is it okay it's a thief of joy i think it was bernie brown that said something about competition the thief of joy or something like that or uh
0: comparison comparison yeah Yeah. comparison is a joy very true very true Well, thank you very much. I think that's been really helpful. And I think you have given some great pieces of advice throughout this chat anyway. But if you were to give one key piece of advice, maybe to other people who are on the fence about changing career and maybe similar fears,
1: doubts to maybe what you had way back when... Maybe it's what we said, what's the alternative? Yeah, and look at the alternative. And if the alternative seems unbearable and awful to you, then maybe the unknown is the way to go because the alternative you've painted it and if that picture's ugly, then at least go with the unknown, but you don't know what that picture looks like,
0: yeah, yeah well, and the beauty is that you get to choose that you yeah. get to paint you get to paint that picture. I think someone else I spoke to, said yeah he could really see what the picture of his future was going to look like so it was just going to be the same thing and he loved the idea of being able to now have a choice and to be able to start painting that new picture so okay and best thing about your career change so far because i can appreciate yeah oh yeah
1: best thing about my career change so far is that i'm more me I'm just me and not just one part of me, not just a career, the professional Christina, the employee Christina, but I am Christina, employed Christina as a person, Christina, I'm just all the different complex sides of of one person, at least for me, have been meshed into one because I decided to do and follow a career and that is what ultimately gives me purpose in life.
0: Great, delighted that you have found that space. And thank you for sharing your career change journey so far. And who knows, maybe we'll interview you again in a year or two and see where you've got to. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, lovely to talk to you. Oh, you're very welcome. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.